It's an amazing opportunity for podcasters, bloggers, YouTubers, anybody who's not creating live content to get real-time interaction with your fans, your listeners, your viewers, and to also get real-time feedback. Because what the feedback you get in the live chat is different from what somebody posts in blog comments or in a podcast review. You're listening to the Thought Leaders Business Lab, the podcast for coaches, thought leaders, and change makers who are ready to become the standout expert. If that's you, stay tuned because you're in the right place. I'm your host, Samantha Riley, and I want to help you build a successful business sharing your expertise, generate the impact and income you need to create your ideal lifestyle. It's time to make a difference and scale up. Are you ready? Let's enter the lab. Welcome to the Thought Leaders Business Lab, Ross. It's great to have you joining me today. Thanks for having me, Samantha. It's great to be on your show. It's super great to catch up with you, seeing we haven't caught up in person in what? Be coming up two and a half years now because COVID has meant that none of us can jump on a plane and catch up in person. <laughs> <laughs> but thankfully, we've got this, you know, we've got this thing called the internet, which means we can still chat, we can see each other. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, talking about live streams and how to monetize them. But before we jump in, give us a little bit of a brief introduction about what it is that you do today and maybe a little bit about how you got to where you are. Sure. So, I worked in radio when I was in my 20s and 30s, and I'm older than that now. So after a while, I went and followed other interests. I enjoyed my radio career, but I went and followed other interests. And 2015, I stumbled into a platform called Blab, and I just fell in love with broadcasting again. It was basically talk radio with webcams, but instead of people discussing the news, sports, and weather, they were talking about business and marketing and coaching and strategy. And it was very interesting to see the people and the talent they had and how they were communicating and how naturally this kind of medium seemed to come to a lot of people. And I said, this is really good. I think this has got some staying power. So I started Livestream Universe. My idea was that I was going to be like the media for live streaming and then I guess after calling into a couple of shows, I kind of got the bug and I started my own show. And so I've been more of a content creator than a media person, as well as working on the strategy side with brands and connecting them to audiences through live streaming. And so I've been doing this for what about, well, this year it'll be six years and I absolutely love it. And my entire network, it seems came about since I started live streaming and you know I've been also gotten into the podcast community a little bit I'm not as active on the podcast side in terms of churning out content but I do make some of my live streams into podcasts and so that's been really cool and a little bit on the YouTuber side as well I've played around but live streaming live broadcast is my thing my background's in live radio and I just love the live element of things. How much did it change back in March 2020 when the world completely lost all semblance of normal? Well, I think, I mean, there's so many different ways you could talk about this. What changed for people is the majority of people who said, ah, this internet thing's not for me, this live video, I don't want a camera, I don't want to put my thoughts out. Now, 
everybody's using the technology. We're all using Zoom. We're all using a webcam or some other type of video camera and a microphone or some way of transmitting our voice through, whether it's earbuds, what have you. And it's changed everything for the way we do business. I think we're working so much now remotely and companies have seen that productivity stays up. In fact, in many cases, it's higher than it was when people are working in the office. Think about the useless meetings you have, office politics, the coffee breaks, the, you know, where are we going to go for lunch? And then you go for lunch, you come back, you talk about how lunch was. <laughs> you know, you think about, you know, but this is was the, you know, my other area, my other background is in HR. Wow. Kind of an interesting mix of things between broadcasting and HR. So this was the big fear of managers is that, it, gosh, if I let my employees work from home, they're just going to, you know, go to the beach every day. Well, yeah, they're going to sit and watch Netflix all day, every day. As it turns out, you know what they're doing all the time anyway. You know when they log in, you know when they log off, you know what they're doing. And if you have metrics to measure what the output is, it really doesn't matter whether they're working 9 to 5 or they're working 11 to 7 or they're working in the morning and then they're taking care of their kids and they're working, you know, throughout the evening. Whatever they're doing, they've raised productivity by this. So I think a lot of businesses are going to see value in keeping a remote workforce because they now have the ability to pull people from all over the world instead of just your geographic location. Okay, my headquarters is here. We recruit 45 minutes away and in. Now it's anybody in the world who has the skill set. So with that having been said, you can see how for employees, you have to step up your game a little bit because now you're in worldwide competition if you're lucky enough that your company and your job has survived through these tough times. The same thing is true for people who are doing live streaming. Now, everybody's got a webcam and a microphone and is communicating this way. So I feel like a lot of live streamers started stepping up their game. YouTube creators, too. You're seeing on the YouTube side and somewhat in live streaming, people building sets behind them, playing around a lot with lighting to craft mood going instead of a webcam using a DSLR or a mirrorless camera. In my case, I'm using a green screen because my background doesn't lend itself easily to constructing a set. But there's a lot of that that went on this year. I did it. Other people did it where you took a look at how you were presenting yourself and how you were presenting content, how you were producing the broadcast and said, what do I need to do to stay ahead of the game and present myself as a professional now that having good audio alone isn't enough to stand out? Totally. Because first and foremost, live streaming and live video is an audio medium first and foremost, because if the video goes out, you still have the content. But if the audio goes out, you don't have really anything. It's a talking head medium for the most part, unless you're getting into streaming games and things like that, which isn't my area. So that's where we're at right now. I think we've seen the skill set in the average person rise because either they weren't doing this at all. Now they know how to do it. They were doing it, but 
you know, occasionally whatever. Now they've had to be somewhat professional because they're communicating with their boss or their customers. And then the person who's the content creator has said, how do I stay ahead of the game? How do I get better? How do I stand out now as a professional creator versus just being an early adopter? So that's what I see if you look a macro view of the landscape. Yeah, totally. And when we're talking about, you know, coaches, consultants, all the kind of people that are in professional services, I think that content creation, and you've mentioned that a few times, you know, it's almost like you're a content creator first now. I saw on your website a stat which absolutely blew me away. Now, I knew that video was big, but 82% of all web traffic will be video by 2022. That absolutely blew me away. And I think for anyone that's listening and that isn't doing video, you're going to be left behind. So how much, you know, obviously you do video and live streams, but if you're talking to content creators, how do you suggest they bring live stream into their content strategy? Well, the first thing they can do, if they're a podcaster, the first thing they should do is exactly what you do, which is turn your camera on and record yourself and your guest while you're doing your podcast and then you can have a couple of highlight clips to extract because if you have a podcast audience they're perfectly happy to go to the download or go to the podcast player and listen an audio style they probably like taking it with them they can take it as they work as they walk around they don't have to be tied to internet connection and that's all all wonderful if you want to grow both you want to grow your brand as a content creator, as a podcaster, and as a business person, and you also want to get new subscribers and new people into the mix, then having a couple of videos to share on social media for each episode just will stand out. It will visually brand you in a way that an audiogram, while pretty cool, just doesn't have that same impact. When people see you doing what you're doing, and there's that fascination with podcasting, I think it means a lot. But here's the other thing I would say. I think it's an amazing opportunity for podcasters, bloggers, YouTubers, anybody who's not creating live content to get real-time interaction with your fans, your listeners, your viewers, and to also get real-time feedback. Because what the feedback you get in the live chat is different from what somebody posts in blog comments or in a podcast review. Can you explain that a little bit more? Sure. It's real. It's unfiltered. It's immediate. You get a sense of what's working and what's not working. If you're at all paying attention to the chat, and I do believe and I teach people that while the chat isn't important, essential element of live streaming it's what makes it different than television and different than radio you have to still prioritize the content and the conversation with your guests because if you're too focused on certain individual comments you're not really serving your entire audience by putting out the show of the quality that you're capable of but with all that said most people who've been live streaming for a little while get pretty comfortable at noticing the comments in the chat and sort of multitasking with the interviewer, the conversation, or the show. And the feedback you get is very unfiltered. I mean, it's like something comes in, you know, there'll be a lot of chats that are just like, hello, hey, 
good to be here, great to see you, whatever. But you'll get other things. And you also get a sense, I don't know if it's energetically alone or if it's through comments, you get a sense of, ooh, this segment seems to be dipping. Oh, this seems to be picking up. Oh, at this time, all these people can't... Like, I know that there are ways to look up that data on podcasts, on YouTube videos. I don't have time. I just don't have the time and the patience. Isn't it better to get... Yeah, that real time is so much better. But live, when you're doing it, and you see, oh, I had 57 concurrent viewers, and then I went into playing that five-minute recorded clip, and by the time I was done, I had 13 concurrent viewers. Maybe that should have been a 30-second clip, and I summed it up. Maybe it was the story that wasn't right. And you can't rely on live streaming metrics completely, right? There are things that go on with these algorithms and with timing and luck and things that I think people very much in the YouTube and the podcast camp have a better ability to attribute what they're doing to the user because the user or the viewer, the listener, they all start at the beginning of the video or the podcast and they listen through. I don't know if somebody drops off if I see a drop-off at a certain time, well, did the people who dropped off just come in for 30 seconds, or had they been there from the beginning? Did they think the whole show was not good, or did they think it was that segment, or did it have nothing to do with them? It was because I was live on Facebook, and Mark Zuckerberg went live at the moment that I was live, <laughs> and guess what got fed to everybody? <laughs> not my show. <laughs> So there's a lot of factors in there that, that you can't really control. And so I think there's something about that energetic thing. When you're doing it live in front of an audience, you could kind of feel like, wow, this is working. This is good. This isn't working. And I would say that I sometimes am lucky that I don't trust that feeling because I will go back after and go, oh, that was a lot better than I thought. Or somebody will tell me. And so you're never as good as you think you are in your best show. You're never as bad as you think you are in your worst show. Most people just know whether they like listening to you or they don't like listening to you. And to them, it's not like, oh, they had a great show today. Oh, they were awful today. Or, you know, think about the newscaster that you enjoy watching or the, you know, sportscaster, weather. You don't go, oh, wow, she was just amazing with the weather today. I mean, it was just her best weather cast of the week. No, we just know that we like that personality or we don't like that personality. We like how they present information or we think they don't know what they're talking about. They get it wrong every single time. Well, the audience looks at us much the same way. So with all that having been said, yes, your choices of the content, your choices of the guests, the topics, how long you stay with subjects, when you move off of them, do you, do you wrap it up at the right time, do you go a little too short, a little too long, all these things you get a great feel of, I think, by going live. But you still have to get feedback from other people. You still have to go back and listen from time to time. But this is the advantage of live streaming. The other advantage of live streaming is if I were interviewing you, no matter how much I prepared for it, there will be somebody in the chat who knows more about your areas of expertise than I do. <laughs> there may be somebody in the chat who knows you personally and knows a story that you would love for me to bring up, but you were too modest to mention or something, right? And they're going to bring... There's always a question that somebody will ask in the chat that I just never would have thought of, or a topic, or an angle, and it's like, 
oh, we should probably pursue that, <laughs> right? And so there's that other aspect of it. And people love to feel that they're a part of the creation, and they are, because they're contributing based on what they're saying in the chat. There's always some insights in the chat that, you know, you want to bring into the show and you want that make the show better. So that's another unique aspect of live streaming. If you don't want to do your show live, I would say the thing you can do is you can just go live and chat with your audience. Give them some access to you. Have a Q&A or go live and talk about why you enjoy doing an interview with a guest or, you know, why you're making a change in this segment of your podcast or whatever you're doing, you know, or just be there for people. Sometimes showing up is enough, right? Most people don't show up regularly where they're accessible to their audience. And so, you know, when I'm doing a show show live stream, right, I'm doing live stream for a brand or I'm doing one of my shows, I'm obviously very focused on the topic and the guest and the entire show. Other times I'll just hop on and go live. And that's where the second somebody comes into the chat, I'm saying hello to them. You know, I might read all the comments aloud. I might ask out loud and repeat every question that's asked, good, bad, or indifferent, because I'm there to just interact with people and just enjoy the community and the viewers. So these are different ways to look at it. But I think any of them are good ways. There's not nothing wrong with going live for five minutes after you record a podcast and go, man, this was a great recording. I had such a great time with Samantha. I can't wait for you guys to listen to this. It'll be out, you know, on this date. And, you know, this is what we talked about. And here's a couple of takeaways, the things I didn't even expect we were going to get into. And people throw in the comments, oh, send me a link or, oh, I just subscribed. So, and so you're interacting with a whole nother range of people that may not already be subscribers while you're deepening the relationship with your subscribers who are now just in love with you for having spent that time when usually you're only there on a download or in a pre-recorded video. Totally. And just you talking about that, you know, a lot of us as content creators know that we're going to actually make a sale when our prospects know, like, and trust us. And the live stream piece is that no piece comes in so much more when you can see someone, you can see their little idiosyncrasies, the little ways that they do things. We all have them, right? Right. And it's what people connect with. They can see when we're genuine. But also what I have found with live streaming is that trust piece then elevates as well because when someone's watching you live, you know, we're at all at some stage we're going to forget what we're talking about or we're going to get off track or all of the things that we do as humans and it just helps us to really understand that person and how they are. It helps that know, like and trust factor come up so much better. That is such a great point. There is so much data that we get that we get in in-person interactions with people that we're not even conscious that we're taking in. And it's only through live streaming that I realized on the levels that our brains work in like making judgments about people and understanding who they are. I mean, what you get for live streaming that you don't get in a pre-recorded video or pre-recorded podcast is you get to see in real time with no rehearsing, no filter, nothing, how a person reacts when something goes wrong. Do they panic? Do they blame the audience? Do they blame the guest? 
Do they recover quickly? Are they, you know, able to grab another topic? Do they find the way to keep the audience engaged? Now, some of that is just experience. And the more experience you get at it, it becomes a skill set. And it's not a judgment on a person's character. But it is, depending on what you're hiring somebody for, you're hiring them to be a crisis communicator or an event planner or, you know, you're hiring them to do your wedding or something. You might think how this person responds in a stressful situation is an indicator on what they would be like to work with in a stressful situation. It might be really important. (laughs) Right. Are they gracious in how they treat their guest? Do they seem to understand what makes their guest tick? Like why this is a good person to have on their show? Did they bring something to the discussion? And when there's interaction between the two, you get a sense of it being a real and kind of... It's just very hard to fake when you say things in a live stream. Absolutely, absolutely. It's just like the live testimonial that somebody could give you when somebody says, you know, they come on and they say, you know, when I worked with you on XYZ, it was just a great experience. I can't believe how much you helped me, how different I was from the time we started working, and then I was super prepared for what my next thing was. And that customer journey, when you do that live with a customer, I mean, the power in that, I mean, obviously, you want to vet the customer. You want to make sure it's somebody who can communicate well and be comfortable on video. But the realness of not having somebody in front. Working with Samantha was very, (laughs) you know. (laughs) And even though you'll do 50 takes with it, it just never comes out organic. It doesn't. But when you go, so, you know, you have me on, you're like, Ross, what was it like being... Oh, I had the best experience when I was on the podcast with Samantha. She's a great host. She's really patient. She even helped me reschedule when I had a little something come up. (laughs) And she's just wonderful. And it was a terrific discussion. I felt at home and comfortable from the beginning. And of course, she's got a great mind for business. So it's always an honor to be on her podcast. So when somebody talks like that about you live, I could not have written that out on paper, right? Totally. That was just totally from the gut, like, don't think about it, you know? (laughs) And so there's a skill in delivering content that way that you may find that you have that you didn't know you have if you were afraid to go live. I mean, when I started in radio, I scripted everything. I wasn't going to leave something to chance at 25 years old on a, you know... (laughs) (laughs) my first you know paid on air gig i'm not uh i'm leaving anything to chance but you find out that you have a skill set for it but you also just there's a way if you just get to the truth of the matter you just seem to connect to people and the audience forgives you for a lot too because they understand that you're live they understand that you came there to spend time with them that you can't control the internet you can't control facebook or youtube or you know, LinkedIn or whatever platform you're going to, they probably figure that you're running your show by yourself. So you don't have a production team. You don't have a teleprompter. Like they know all they're smart. Even if they're not super internet savvy, they have an idea from being around media, what's involved in this. And so you don't need to be perfect when you go live. And if you do say record a podcast or a YouTube video and you want to do it live, you still have the ability to go back and edit. If something 
happened or a topic came up and you go, that, that's just going to kill the momentum of my podcast or my video. Cut it out. Yeah, just edit. You know. Yeah, totally, totally. I want to talk about the live aspect because this is the bit that we're talking about that creates no like and trust. However, as you and I both know, practice is something that makes it easier. I think I wasn't, I didn't have a radio background. I had a dance background. We don't talk in dance. <laughs> so when I first started doing live stream, I found it really challenging because, you know, speaking and language and showing up on a camera wasn't, it didn't feel comfortable to me. And obviously over time it gets easier. I still don't 100% feel comfortable ever, to be honest, but you know, it does get easier. Well, I'll tell you what's so endearing. I got to tell you this. What's that? <laughs> you don't look at the camera either. And I, I because no. <laughs> I mean, six years into this and I still don't look at the camera <laughs> enough. It feels weird. <laughs> right. I mean, as a radio person, you just do whatever you do to get the audio side to work, right? To get the sounds out so that you're making it, you're expressive and you're communicating. And I have never gotten a hundred percent on where I'm better at it than I was five years ago. But I mean, I have still have a long way to go. I'm still looking at you and my monitor when I'm talking because I want to be talking to you, even though I'm supposed to think that you're in the lens of the camera and I'm talking to everybody watching. But I just like that, that you're doing the same thing. And it, it's very much like a radio simulcast on TV, like a radio show simulcast on TV. The camera's looking in and capturing it, but you're not playing to the camera. And I enjoy that. Yeah, I love that. So it's a good vibe. <laughs> yeah, and I love that you mentioned that too because, and this is where I was going, there's no right way and there's no wrong way because it is just you doing you. But for people that are still not comfortable or maybe even haven't started live streaming, what are some tips that you can give about setting up the live stream? Because getting, like starting and finishing are the two hardest things to do in a live stream. A hundred percent. That is exactly it. If you do nothing else the first time you go live, script your first and last sentence. Know exactly. I mean, even after years of doing radio, it's still a challenge. How am I going to end the show? <laughs> like, you know, and of course you have the clock to deal with there. So you have that issue. And what am I going to say to start the show? And that never, if you can get those two things off smooth, and then talk about something you're passionate about in the beginning. The first few times you go, maybe don't talk about your business or try and sell anything. Talk about, pick a subject that you're passionate, a great movie you saw, music that you love, a sporting event, something that just everyday conversation topic, but something that you're passionate about. And you script that opening line, you script that ending line, that closing line, so that you have a smooth entry and a smooth exit. You'll feel good about that. And you talk about something you're passionate about, your first five-minute live stream should be a pretty decent experience. And if it's not, it's okay because, I mean, I was horrible the first time I went live on radio. Oh, my God. And I, I had all these things I wanted to say. I didn't understand the medium right away. You know, it takes time. But I think, like you said, the beginning and the end are the hardest parts. How do we start it? How do we end it? And keep it simple. Simp is always easier. It's always easier if you say less words, says the wordy guy who speaks for like three minutes, 10 minutes every time you ask me a question. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, I usually just open up a show. I'll say, hey, gang, Ross Brand from Livestream Universe. I don't have to think about it, right? 
Now, when I'm hosting, say, an hour show and I have a guest coming up, then I may think about the topic and I may go into something first, then introduce myself, welcome people. But if you're just grabbing your phone or you're just hopping on a live stream with somebody to chat, keep it simple. And it's good if you have a business, it's not bad to say the name of your business if it's at all related, and then not necessarily talk about your business, but just drill that home or the name of your show. Have some things where it just becomes normal from the audience to hear you say your name and something else and welcome, whatever your normal greeting is. And then end could just be... Thanks for joining us. Uh, you know, thanks for being here. We'll talk to you again on the next one. Or, you know, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Or, you know. I think it's got to. Ad- I, I often just say, have a great day. And that's, you know. Yeah, I like that. There's t- Get out. Get out. <laughs> totally. There's two different reasons I think that we need to be, you know, I love the way you said, hey, it's Ross Brand here from Livestream Universe. A, it's a habit now for you probably. And it's just so easy. You don't need to think about your start. But the second thing is that. Our brains like to close loops. So we like to hear that same thing over and over and over. At the end of many of my live streams, my podcasts, I say, ciao, ciao. And one day I didn't. And I had so many people reach out and go, oh, my God, you only said one ciao. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Because they're so used to it and they're filling in the gaps themselves. So it's, you know, there's many different reasons and that practicing or coming up with the same beginning and ending makes it easier for you. It's also that your audience actually likes it. Yeah, yeah. I remember when I was early on working in radio and I got my first job at a pretty big station and I would end, I was doing sports and I would end every sportscast with, and that's what's happening. I'm Ross Brand for whatever, right? And so people would come up to me and that's what's happening. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like of all the things, right? It's not the story. It's not the news. But that's the thing people like, you know, it kind of makes them feel that there's some consistency in their life. The little, those little repeatable things. But I think if you're trying to build your brand online, you're trying to, maybe you're trying to grow an audience as a live streamer or you're trying to build your audience for something else having a show in the beginning not your when you first start your first start just do some lives and get comfortable but developing a show having a regular time and day and having a name for the show and you know my first show was called live stream stars it was every monday at 7 p.m eastern and i did that for about two years as is like like Join us again next week for Livestream Stars, 7 p.m. Eastern on Monday. You know, hey, welcome to Livestream Stars. I'm Ross Brand. We're here every Monday night at 7 p.m. Like, just keep repeating that. And one of two things will happen. One is people will start to show up. Some people will start to show up because it just becomes drilled in that, hey, this is when that cool show takes place. And the, the other one is they'll never show up and they don't really give a damn, but they'll still remember that you're out there creating content, doing things, interviewing interesting people because you've branded it that way, because you've talked about it enough, because you share your show card or whatever you want to call it, your graphic with yourself and your guest, an image of your topic or what have you. And you keep doing that and you keep putting it out there. And maybe that's a little 2015 to 2017, but I think it still can work. And I've seen people even in the last couple of years They're not all, you know, they didn't have any experience with live streaming and they got started and they just kept showing up every week. 
and they kept showing up and they kept inviting people. They get some no's in the beginning, but they kept inviting. And then eventually one person goes on their show who's a good live streamer and another person who's a good content creator and another big podcaster. And then it just becomes a place where every creator who's, you know, connected in that three degrees, let's say, of separation or whatever. We just all do this show and we do that show. And once you start getting the yeses, they start coming. And once the yeses start coming, you're now a player in the industry, even if you're, you know, you're still really learning how to do it yourself. Consistency is key. It's not easy to make that commitment unless you love it. I mean, I was fortunate that I loved it and that I think because I had a radio background, because I really enjoyed it and wasn't afraid to ask guests right away and and pitch what I was doing to people, I grew a little faster than probably other people did in the beginning. I mean, I've never had like some massive audience or anything, but I never typically wasn't speaking to an empty room either, right? So, but you have to, if you love it or you want to get good at it or you want to keep doing it or you think it can help your business... You have to push through and realize, you know, it was a couple years before I got the first, you know, company reached out to me. And it was a couple years before I got my first paid show and sponsor and all those things. Like, it, even coming from a radio, it doesn't always happen right overnight. But two years from now or three years from now or five years from now, if it's meant to happen for you, you really wish that you had started. And all the things that can happen along the way, which is clients, customers, friends, relationships, you know, a network of people that you enjoy being around and that you learn from and that support you and you support them. And that network also leads to other opportunities, speaking gigs. Maybe you get some gear that somebody loans you or gives you for free to do a review or to to use for a while. And, you know, things just just showing up is like 80 percent of the battle. Right. Totally. And then, you know, I'd say another 10 percent is not doing anything really embarrassing and silly. And that's I'm not talking about like, you know, your camera goes out or something you can't. I'm talking about, you know, saying of things that are just mean and nasty and, you know, being being unprofessional is basically like. You can be unscripted, you can be funny, you can be a lot of things, but that doesn't mean that you need to be unprofessional at the same time. You can still keep your, unless that is your hook, right? And you go all in on it, right? And so you're not using this maybe to land the neighborhood business as your top client or whatever. You're going for, you know, you're trying to be a slapstick entertainer or something. Then, of course, go all in on it. But I think that's where people go wrong a little bit is that they start thinking, oh, well, not that many people are watching. It's okay. No, it's really not okay. There's always somebody watching. Yeah, you have to know your audience. <laughs> so you talked about, you know, what we can do, getting that really clear beginning, really clear ending. I'd love you to share a couple of don't do's because I saw a really great thread of this in your Facebook community. Actually, what's your Facebook group called? Yeah, so my new group, my only group that I've ever had is Monetize Live Streaming Now. It's facebook.com slash group slash monetize live. Great group. Thank you. Jump in there. We'll definitely pop that link in the show notes. Great group. But I did see a really great thread and actually interacted in this thread. What are some of the things that you see as common mistakes that we really want to make sure that we avoid? Okay. So the number one mistake that new people make when they're live streaming and even some experienced ones is they start and then they say, 
I'm just going to wait a little bit till some people get there. This is a big, I hate this. <laughs> now that is like the teacher yelling at the people who show up on time about students not coming on time to class. Well, you're giving the lecture to the wrong people. So you're basically saying to the people who show up on time, and remember, every single person who watches on the replay, and often our replays can get two, three, five, ten times the amount of views as the live stream, starts at the beginning. So you've now disrespected the time of everybody watching on the replay because they have to wait while you tap your fingers and go, I, somebody else coming in is more important than you, so I'm not going to start for the person who shows up on time. I'm going to start for who may come in later. Okay, there's an easy way to do this. You start on time, but you welcome people. You talk about what you're going to talk about. You preview your interview with your guest. You don't have to necessarily give away the biggest piece of content. You know, the most, the highlight of the show doesn't have to happen in the first 20 seconds. But you have to treat the people who show up... With respect. Like they're there for any other part of the show. I mean... The entire show shouldn't be extraneous content. It should all be something that you're enjoying and your audience is enjoying. And it's, you know, and when people say a value, a lot of times people think it's like, oh, I got to learn and take. No, no, a fun show is a value. It made me laugh. It made me feel connected. You know, something entertaining, a thought provoking topic. So value could be connecting with people during those first couple of minutes. But never wait like you just, I'm going to wait. I know it's a strategy on YouTube. People do all sorts of stuff like that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about your average person live streaming is doing it in a way that just rubs the audience the wrong way. Figure that the people who show up right away on time and the people who are most eager to see your content, get started, get into it, make them smile, make them feel good, make them feel important by just getting into content. And it, again, it, your biggest moment, your biggest interview, your best guest could be 20 minutes into the show when the algorithm has hopefully started pumping and everything else. But that doesn't mean that you're off the hook for the first 20 minutes and you just wait until everybody shows up. And by the way, getting started and talking about something that interests people to where they go, oh, this is cool. I should share this. That's also going to drive a lot of people to come in when you get to that big interview 20 minutes in or whatever it is that you have planned. So I would say that's one of the biggest things. The other thing I think people do wrong is in promoting, they will promote the name of the guest, but not why they're having the guest on. And unless the guest is like superstar world famous, most of the names don't mean anything to a new viewer or listener or what have you. So if you can, you know, I'm bringing on Samantha to talk about three things that we're going to do to make podcasting better in 2022 or another, like what is in it for me to, to watch? What do you bring that? And it also is good for your guest because it, it tells the audience the genius that they have to deliver on the show. What What's their area of expertise? Right, right. And so, you know, if somebody, if you just say I have Ross Brand on the show, well, to the people who know me, that might mean something. But, you know, most people don't know my name just by my name, right? I mean, I'm talking about like, if you're movie star famous or you're, you know, world-class athlete famous, Olympic gold medalist famous, 
you know, president of a major country famous. You just go ahead and say the name and that's all you have to say, right? You know, ladies and gentlemen, Frank Sinatra, right? But if you're anybody else, even when you watch entertainment shows, we have actor so-and-so, got a new movie coming out. You know, We're still explaining. She's making her debut on Broadway after 30 years in movies. We welcome... Right. It's like there's a reason the person's on. They're not, you know, only the real A-lister is just on for no reason other than like they were available and you said yes. Everybody else has got something to promote, something to talk about, a reason why they're newsworthy or a reason why you thought to have them on. And even if they're just fun, you still need to sort of say what's in it for the audience and why you're having them on. If you do that, now I know why I need to tune in. Makes perfect sense. Perfect sense. Now, I know back in the middle of May, you ran a summit, the Monetize Live Streaming Now. was really awesome. Lots of great information. And let's face it, for any business that's live streaming, at the end of the day, we're doing it to monetize it, to build clients, to attract clients, to, you know, to make money. How do people go back and find some of that information that you talked about? Yeah, just go to the main website, LivestreamUniverse.com, and I will have a link there, and you can click that link, and you can access the content, um, and you can see all the different speakers and get all the different strategies. Each one of our speakers is going to, each one of our speakers will have focused on an area where they have successfully monetized live streaming. Believe it or not, there are so many different ways that people are making money with live streaming. And if you're into live streaming, if you're doing it, if you want to do it, think about it. You can make money with your talent. You can make money with your knowledge of live streaming, or you can use it to drive traffic to your website, to your blog, to your podcast, to your business, to let people know what you know and who you are and you know, the no like, and trust. There's so many different ways to use it. You can take the content and make it into a course. You can build a membership group and live stream, provide access, provide insider information just to your, your member subscribers. There's so many different ways we go through a bunch of them. And, you know, I'm sure we're going to have another summit at some point to take a whole 12 to 15 other ideas and share how people are monetizing. But we went through a lot of the big ones from consulting, coaching, courses, self-publishing, producing live streams, getting paid to host and get sponsors, fundraising. We had a speaker who raised $35,000 in one live stream. That's impressive. So all these different things are available to people who learn how to do it. You know, there's ways that people are succeeding that if you get that information, you can do it too. And that's what I hope to provide to people who go back and and get the replays and, and really sit down and dig into the material. That you pinpoint first what works for you. Like, which one of these different methods is a good fit with my skill set, my area of expertise, or my audience? And then how does somebody go about converting that into a business opportunity? 
totally, totally. So I will pop the links for their website in the show notes. Definitely jump into Ross's Facebook group because that's where I've learned a lot of this stuff and why I reached out and said, hey, we need to chat. We need to talk more about this because I know that live streams is where it's at. I certainly don't do enough of them. You've given me heaps of ideas. <laughs> good, good, good. So thank you. <laughs> if you want to talk about monetizing live streaming, I welcome people to go live in the group on that subject. I know a lot of group owners are like, nobody live streams in here but me or whatever. No, if it's on topic, please go live, share your thoughts. You know, it's a live streaming group. I'd love people to live stream about the topic the group is about, which is how to make money with live streaming and what ideas and tips people have. Love it, love it, love it. Ross, it's been so fantastic to chat with you today. I really appreciate the Facebook community that you have pulled together. There's, it's a fabulous knowledge base and you provide so much value in there. And thank you for coming and sharing more of that value here with us today. Well, thank you so much for having me. This is a great conversation and I'm just so happy to be a part of your wonderful show and also to enjoy spending time with somebody who doesn't look at the camera either. I think we could do a <laughs> we could do a co-hosted show sometime called like don't look at the camera or something. And we just It's because I'm looking at your face. <laughs> it's great. It's great. This is the way it should be. <laughs> <laughs> oh totally love it thanks so much again ross <laughs> thanks for having me this is fun today's episode may be over but let's continue the conversation head on over to the thought leaders business lab community on facebook and connect with other entrepreneurs who are building and scaling their business too see you next time in the thought leaders business lab <laughs>